Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Pekosek. And today we are joined by our guest, Teresa Helmer, who's a director of social media strategy at Disney Channels Worldwide, part of Walt Disney Television. As the head of social media for Disney Channel, she leads the network's marketing, planning, and content development strategies for all social platforms. Teresa is passionate about bringing inclusive, insights-based experiences to consumers. She serves as the co-lead of the Walt Disney Company's Black Employee Resource Group, The Bond. And in her spare time, she enjoys attending high-intensity interval training classes with her husband, skincare, and eating popcorn for breakfast, which is awesome. Teresa, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Thank you both so much for having me. Yeah, it's a really neat way. It's a neat story just how you and I kind of came in contact. And I think it's it's worth highlighting just given kind of where we're trying to go with this episode. We originally talked about informational interviews as a way of kind of building contacts back in episode five with Stacey Polak. So dear listener, you can go and check that out for some additional information on this topic um, that we're going to just kind of double down on a little bit more today. But basically... We met through LinkedIn. You saw a post I wrote, liked it. I reached out to you. I was like, this person seems really cool. The fact that they came out of nowhere and, and like something I actually wrote, I appreciate that. And it led to a conversation and the conversation has led to a podcast interview. And so it takes us to informational interviews. It takes us to meet and greet culture and a lot of topics that I think are important right now because they're things that people can do right now whether people are hiring or not, like this is a great time to be building connections in our world. So with that said, let's, uh, can you just share with our listeners a little bit more about how you got to this point in your career? Sure. Um, so I started out with a variety of internships and entry level roles and the, the short and the short kind of summation of it all is I thought that I was going to be an account executive working for an advertising agency. And then, you know, 10, 15, 15 years down the line, I would flip to client side and live happily ever after. And I think it was maybe halfway through or like a quarter of the way through a professional internship where I realized that I was not interested in client services at all. It was really just not a, not a personality fit for me. I think I, I can be outgoing and extroverted and like very, um, you know, engaging with people like from a, from a client management perspective when needed. But if that's like my sole purpose in the workplace, I was like, Oh no, this, this is not going to work for me. (laughs) Um, so I, I was very lucky that I had the guidance of several different leaders during that internship who were like, you know, like you should try out social media. Like we have this need, we're all, we're all going to the Olympics and we need someone to hold, hold it down for us while we go to London. I'm like, okay, cool. And so that was my first real experience with social media was, was doing some kind of, you know, just really basic social listening for um, a client during their Olympics marketing campaign. And from there, I was like, you know, I really think that I should see what's out there for, for social media roles. So this was back in 2012. It's actually nice because the, the Olympics are so cyclical in terms of dates. It's really easy to like take me back exactly to to that time. But um, my my first real role outside of of that was working at Taco Bell Corporate in the their marketing department doing social media. And I think 
I did a little bit of everything there from content creation to food styling, um, you know, social, a little social listening, responding to customers with, you know, the customer service verbiage, that kind of like a little bit of everything. And it was really the nascent stages, I think, of the, you know, corporations on social media with like a defined strategy. Mm -hmm. And so from there, you know, doing a little bit of everything really gives you a scope of like, okay, what, what do we, what do I think I'm really good at? What do I, what am I interested in? And I, I really honed in on like strategy and analytics because I feel like social media offers this very unique um, ability to know exactly what the consumer wants or what they don't want just based on how they engage with your content. And I felt like that was just really interesting and intriguing to me because it's like, well, if the answers to the worksheet are like right there on the page, <laughs> you should be able to make something that people really want. So um, I, I was able to kind of take that, you know, understanding of what I was looking for to my first role at the Walt Disney Company, which was working as a social media analyst in the digital marketing department for Disney Parks. At the time, it was called Disney Parks and Resorts um digital marketing now i think that entity within the walt disney company is called disney parks experiences and products dpep mm. for short and nice. that encompasses all of the you know travel and leisure verticals as well as consumer products so oh yeah cool it's large so i was doing that for a couple of years and i you know big company reorgs happen. Um, I went from being a social media analyst doing social listening to kind of being more in a statistics modeling kind of group. And I was like looking around with my little, with my, with my strategic communications degree with, you know, people with advanced math degrees over here and all this other. And I was like, you know what, I think I could actually learn this if I really, hmm. I, you know, I feel like I'm competent enough to learn this, but is this really the direction that, again, is this really the direction that I want to go? Like really assessing where, where and uh, where my strengths were and what I was interested in and, you know, having the, the amazing, you know, leaders who you know, were very understanding of, Hey, like I get it you were essentially voluntold into this role during a reorg, <laughs> what can we do to help you? And so I, I had my manager at the time who he, he was just, I mean, and he's actually he's someone who, who still checks on me, checks in on me on my birthday every year. He still works at, at Disney uh, in Florida. And he, he was just like, whatever I can do, let me know. And if I needed a referral for an internal, like internal roles, he was always, there to you know send a, a note to the hiring manager and this is a guy that i worked for for like all of you know five or six months he didn't really know me uh i mean he knew me obviously but you know we we were just at the beginning stages of building relationships so i felt like he was just a really great um a great person who championed me uh, at an early point in my career and you know from there i found a role at at Disney Channel's manager of platform strategy. And in that capacity, I was taking a lot of different, um, a lot of different experiences that I'd had with social, but applying it to a new app, I guess, that the the network was venturing into. And it was it was in the programming, like the television programming department. And I, you know, I had never really been interested in entertainment, didn't really, I didn't know 
anything about the television business or the entertainment industry whatsoever. So I was completely flying blind, but I also just really felt a connection to the hiring manager and like that the role was just a really good fit for me in terms of, you know, learning more about strategy and planning and, and programming platform. And so I was able to take, again, like building experiences from the past into the, into that role. And over time, you know, the, as the app evolved and, you know, changed direction was able to kind of lead the, the YouTube strategy and short form content strategy in collaboration with my manager at the time. And through that experience and through a lot of other, I think, I don't know, I I don't want to go down too many rabbit holes, but there were other, there were other contributing factors I feel that got me to this, this place, but it was that experience paired with a lot of extracurricular within the Walt Disney company activities that I was a part of that helped me get to my current role as the director of social media strategy. So um, I've been in, in this position for a little over a year and I, I just, yeah, I mean, it's been, let's see, 2012, like eight years since I've joined the workforce. And so, yeah, here I am. <laughs> it's an impressive progression for sure. And there's clearly a, a really strong growth mindset that's in play from hearing your story, which I think is something that a lot of our listeners appreciate. So thanks for sharing all of that. Very helpful. Of course. Yeah to kind of get around the topic of meet and greet, like working at Disney channels, it sounds like from our our past discussion that tends to get a lot, tends to send you a lot of attention from people who may be interested in working at Disney or working in, in the world of entertainment in general. Can you tell us what it's like to be on the receiving end of some of that attention? Yes. I try to remain as humble and generous with my time as those who came before me were Mm. with their time with me. I don't know if that made sense, but essentially I, as I was kind of coming up in my career, I would reach out to people for informational meetings or interviews or coffees. And I don't think I've ever been, been turned down for one. So I, I really try to make myself available. And I think as I've, evolved in my different roles. I've kind of figured out like the best way to make that happen. So I'm not trying to squeeze in time during the business day. Cause that just typically doesn't work. I mean, now obviously it's a completely different story, but to, you know, in the past I would be like, okay, let me try and find 30 minutes in the middle of the day. And you know, I manage a team of seven ish people. So you never really can anticipate what's going to happen. And I've found like, okay, maybe the best time would be to in the morning on my commute or in the evening on my commute or even on the weekend. Sometimes it's just better to to find times that work for you. So I feel like um, I, especially now that I'm more settled in my position and I've, I have um, a better handle of what I'm doing professionally, it's a lot easier for me to be able to give people advice. I think when I first came on to my, into my role, into my current role, um, people I mean I changed my it was like it was honestly like something I'd never experienced before in terms of people messaging me on LinkedIn and elsewhere to have meet and greets and like be mentored and I was like I literally started managing a team of people for the first time in my career like two days ago oh my gosh and I have I couldn't tell you couldn't tell you anything also not the person who can uh, make approvals on uh, any, you know, vendor requests either. So 
hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I, I did my best to not completely reject people. It was like, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm really busy right now, but can you please reach back out to me in like three months, four months, whatever the appropriate time frame is. And if people were willing to, you know, follow back up with, with me at that time, then I was more than happy to, you know, find some, find an opportunity to connect with them on what they wanted to talk about. But as I've gotten, as I've, you know, been in my role longer, I've more times have opened up and I've kind of figured, figured out how to manage, manage my own time, which has made it easier to make myself available. So I think the short answer to your question is I do my best to make myself available. Um, but I also have to take into consideration my own schedule to make sure that I'm not, you know, spreading myself too thin. Yeah. Do you have a criteria for what meetings you'll take versus not? Um, I mean, pretty much anybody. I mean, I literally had this this person who I was, it's a really, it's a really long and convoluted story, but I'm really into K-pop. And so I've met a, a lot of friends through, through that um, interest. And cool. one of my friends and I were connected on LinkedIn. And so one of her connections, one of, someone she knew in, in where she lives added me on LinkedIn. And then she messaged me like months after we became connected and was like, Hey, can you talk to my son? Who's a recent marketing grad? And I was like, sure, this was like, I don't know, this was the beginning of this whole quarantine. I'm like, sure, what can, <laughs> I, what can I help you with? So I would say the criteria is typically fairly, you know, I'm fairly open as, for, you know, students, I would say always, as long as they're respectful of my time and they're not, we can get into that later. But, you know, students for sure, people who are, you know, looking to learn more about, you know, they're making a, a, a field change perhaps mm -hmm. people who are looking to I I try to at least point people in a direction and sometimes people will reach out about like the Walt Disney Company in general which is kind of like asking for the best chain restaurant location in the United States like it's like so <laughs> broad you're like I couldn't even begin to give you advice on that so hmm hopefully people who are specific, but I mean, really it, it's mostly students or awesome. recent graduates, but yeah, there's not really a criteria. I don't really take any sales, salesy pitch meetings of any kind. Cause I get enough of those forced upon me during my day to day. So that makes sense. Yeah. Well, there's some valuable insights right there for people who are considering either stepping into the world of informational interviews or ramping up their activity in that for sure. Appreciate that. In our conversation earlier on, you talked about meat and Greek culture, which was a term that I kind of took a guess at, at knowing, but I had never really heard it expressed in the way that you had presented it. So can we actually just dive into what meat and Greek culture is? Of course, of course. Um, I think, I mean, I've spent the majority of my career at Disney, so I feel like this is something I've observed as just being part of the DNA of now speaking as the company at large, the company at large <laughs> does have this quality to it in that, you know, people are just open to being accessible. When you, once you're in the company, they, first of all, the chances of you wanting to ask them for a job are probably a lot lower. So you're more, more than willing or more open to having those conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, especially with interns cycling in at four ish times throughout the year there's always that um encouragement to 
for interns to engage with people within the company to kind of learn more about what they like, what opportunities there are, what lines of business there are. And I think it's just very, very much from the onboarding stage in, in all of the jobs I've had, where when you first join, you're kind of given a laundry list of people that you're, you're supposed to kind of get to know and meet and build relationships with because they've been identified as people that, you know, knowing them and being able to really understand what their team does or what their workflows are will greatly benefit your own day to day. And I think I remember when I first started at Disney Channel, I think my boss or maybe, yeah, my boss would give, you know, Starbucks gift cards to new hires and be like, here's a gift card with 30 bucks on it go and take people to coffee as like a that's just what you do and I feel like that's a a super common like I've I have you know girlfriends within the company other you know other directors or executives who will be like hey I met this person who's interested in social media will you talk to them sure people from my first job at Disney who will be like hey I have this intern who wants to move to California like and work at somewhere in at Disney in California. Like, can you talk to them? Sure. And like, I do the same thing. So if I have someone who I think would be beneficial to talk to from someone from any of my experiences throughout my journey at the company, I'm like, oh, person I haven't talked to since 2015. Or would you be willing to do it? And like, I've never, no one's ever said no. So um, I, I feel like that's just kind of the culture. Like, it's just a very collaborative. And I think. I think it it must be like a, a big Disney thing, but like synergy is like an actual business function within the company just due to the number of moving pieces within the company and how it always appears that, because it is true that it appears that there are, all the levers are being pulled at the exact right times and in mm. sync. And it's because there are whole entities within not only the broader corporate structure of the company, but within each business unit that are like the liaisons to make sure that all that's happening when it should be yeah. happening. So I think it, that it all kind of just plays plays into itself. What a cool idea with the Starbucks gift cards. Yeah, no, it's, I, I feel like I should, I should be doing that on my, or I should have done that on my team, but we at least, we at least provide a list of like, Hey, here's the people you should talk to check in with us at the four month, or not four month, four week, eight week markers to see like who you've met and like who you need to meet and all that, all that stuff. That's fantastic. Hmm. It'll be good for when we can actually all go out. I'm not sure you're joining us from LA. I don't know if you can actually still go to Starbucks that you can't do that in my neighborhood right now. No, Starbucks has been closed for, I don't know, maybe like two weeks at least here. Yeah. So the only coffee place that's open is like a local, it's like a local kind of convenience store place. Oh. And they ha- that happens to have a coffee, like a cafe in it. And they, they've been apparently doing big business now that all, there's like three or four Starbucks within maybe like a quarter of a mile radius of my apartment. So like with all of them being closed, everyone seems to be congregating at this local place, which is good for, for the local business. Totally. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see there are some winners in all of this craziness. I feel like you've kind of hinted at this a little bit in our earlier part of our discussion, but what are some of the mistakes that you see people making in terms of approaching you or others for informational interviews? Um, I mean, the the first one, it seems obvious, 
but apparently it's not obvious. So I just, you know, want to, want to share is just being prepared, um, for informational meetings. And that means everything from knowing specifically what you want to ask the person doing research on who they, I mean, you can do varying amounts of research about what someone does if, if they don't have publicly available information, like I don't really post a lot about what I do professionally anywhere online, but knowing that I'm, you know, head up social media for Disney Channel, Disney Junior, you could just go on any of those social pages and kind of see like what's going on. So that would be an example of kind of doing some research. Also, I think just taking a quick step back is like knowing what you're looking for. I think sometimes people come to you and ask like, oh, like I really want to, I really want to work at Disney. And it's like, I can't, like, that's not enough information. <laughs> like I need a little bit more so I can give you a direction because that doesn't really, that doesn't really give you enough to really hold on to anything or at least start a, like if I were to, if my goal is to, okay, at the end of this conversation, I want to connect you with three people who I believe to be more relevant than me in this specific subject, which you know, 50% chance that I might know, I might have an exact list of those types of people or not, but at least having like the specificity, because otherwise it's just kind of like, I don't really know what to tell you. And I, I, um, I, I think that's definitely those, those two are, are two big ones. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Is there anything that you would do in terms of making a change to the way that people approach you for information? It depends. Like if I have, like, for example, if I have people who are completely cold cold emailing me or cold messaging me on linkedin like i i definitely would have like a higher expectation of you're coming to me with a specific ask because you know you've done a little bit of research and you're very you know you're clear like i would like to ask for your time and like this is what i am interested in learning more about it seems like you have you know knowledge in this area like it's more formal whereas if it was a say a student from the school that I graduated from, I would be a little more willing to be like, oh, if you want to learn more about working at Disney, sure. Like, cause they're, they're, it's like a different kind of relationship versus yeah. someone internal from Disney who's asking for an information. Like I actually probably have the highest standard for people who are being connected within the Walt Disney company. Cause it's mm. like, you should already know how this go. Like you should know how this works by now. So like, I need you to be all of your, all of your eyes dotted and T's crossed. Like that's like, I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's kind of how I, how I see it. That's a really interesting insight. Um, and I, I think there's value for people who are already still, who are not job searching. Maybe they're within a company and they're trying to make a move within it. They're trying to pivot into a different department or whatnot. I think there's a lot of really interesting applications there. Well, I actually just, you, what you're saying about people internally that I, that just kind of sparked a thought is I think at any company, you know, if you're looking to make mo like a move more specifically rather than just like, Oh, like I'm, I'm new to the workforce and I want to learn more the political like being aware of like the political landscape in a company is so critical that that level of professionalism is very important because you have no you might you might not really know who has relationships with who in a in a company and going whole hog like hey i want to be on your team or hey i saw this job posting do you know who the hiring manager like you kind of have to 
I would say be a little more, I don't know, error on, error on the side of, of caution and, and extreme professionalism and just being like very, not vague, but like, I don't know if this even makes sense. Like you want to be specific in what you're looking to talk to the person about, but you don't want to be so specific that you're, you're out rightly asking them like, Hey, I want to know more about this job on your team. What can you tell me? Who's hiring? You know, what's the recruiter's name? Who's the, who would it be reporting to? Like all of those things. Like you, there's a lot of, you don't want to put that red flag out that, Hey, I'm looking for a job. Exactly. And I think, um, that was just like something that, that sparked a, a thought when you mentioned it. Yeah, totally. It sounds like discretion can be the better part of valor or whatever that expression is. It just sounds yes. like it's very applicable in this situation. So thinking about informational interviews, a lot of people say that getting a job is all about who you know. And so when people first listen or hear that statement, I feel like a lot of times people think of it as a bad thing. How do you think that informational interviews and the meet and greet culture can change that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that when you think of, at least for me, when I hear that phrase, my default is that it's, it, it sounds like nepotism. Right. And I think to most people, it would sound like nepotism, but really in my experience, it's in what I've observed of others, it's more about, well, it's more about one, how are you top of mind with the right people at the right time? And that might not be the director, VP, SVP. It could be the coordinator or assistant or manager who are more boots on the ground. It's so funny because I've been working with the like internship professional development director at my university to do a similar kind of conversation with students about informational meetings because he, he was the, he's been there since I was an undergrad and he was always hammering home informational meetings. I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. You can do this. I can't believe it. Um, what a great tool. And he was still telling me 10 years later that students are afraid to do this. And I'm like, what do you mean they're afraid <laughs> to do this? Like, this is the way that you get to know people. And that if you, you know, if you're, if you're applying for a job and you happen to have had a conversation with a coordinator or a manager, you can be like, not ring ring, but like, hello, you know, Jessica, remember we talked a couple months ago? Like, do you, do you happen to know if this role is on your team? If not, it would be great if you could point me in the direction of hiring me. Like, so things like that, it just makes the, it kind of is setting that infrastructure of, of being able to ask more pointed questions about opportunities. And I think, um, at least for me over the years, people I've done informational meetings with, like, maybe it didn't, maybe it didn't really amount to a job or anything, but at least it amounted to like a connection, um, opening your network and kind of seeing what else is out there and seeing what else, what other people are doing, kind of keeping, keeping up with them. And I, I think, you know, over, over the course of a handful of years, even people that I've interned with over like at the very beginning of my career or people who I worked with at the very beginning of my career at Disney, I have no problem. If I actually did this recently, I was like, Hey, um, see, you're doing amazing work at blah, blah, blah. Like, would you be willing to talk to a student who recently graduated? And they're like, sure, why not? Um, you know, it's very, it's, it's all about how you kind of package it. And I, I just think that being able to like getting over the fear of rejection, especially when you're not really 
like to me the informational meeting or informational interview is like the best thing because you're not asking anyone to give you a job you're not asking if the, they're hiring you're not you're not asking the person to do anything other than talk about themselves and most people like to talk about themselves um <laughs> to, some, to some degree some people more than others so I feel like and if that's a way that you can build relationships and then, you know, use that conversation to kind of continue the conversation forward of like, hey, are there any other people that you think that I should connect with that would be kind of relevant to what I'm interested in learning more about? And that way you're like, you're asking them to do something that's as simple as them connecting with a person or two people within their network. You're not the 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 effort level for the interview e is ex extremely low and it costs zero dollars that's so true and it's kind of that ex exponential growth of the network too because as soon as you have conversation with one person they now have 200 other connections that they might be able to connect you with so i can see absolutely how that would make a difference for sure it definitely compounds over time and that may actually lead into a question that i wanted to ask you around just you shared your story earlier on about how you came to this point, but like, what are some of the, the traits or the abilities or the skills that you think you've got that have allowed you to kind of go up the ladder pretty quickly, relatively speaking in your career? So it's really funny that as an adult, you, you think about all the things that your parents tell you and you're like, I don't want, I don't want to listen to them and I'm right. You're wrong. But, <laughs> um, in, my dad's wedding speech for me and my husband, one of the things that he ref like one of the through lines in the speech was that I'm determined. And he kind of used that as like a way to kind of talk about different stories of, of my life and how I ended up in California, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I really think that it's very accurate. Um, I am a very determined get, get things done type of person. I, don't really, I wouldn't even go as far to say that I don't take no for an answer. I more, I like to think of it more of like, I try to figure out how to persuade the answer to become a yes or why not. And I think for my experience, uh, just growing in my career, a lot of what's, what's um, helped me get to that point is just, I'm willing to, I'm willing to figure out how to get what I think is the right thing accomplished. And I think that I have a pretty solid understanding of how um, people, people operate and what motivates them. And so I know how to ask the right questions to the right person to then understand what, what their motivations are and then use that information to help kind of build my case or build my strategy and tactics and if you will so i i think it, it that has a lot to do with it as well and then being someone who has been an individual contributor for so one of the interesting things that i've noticed is that i've been an individual contributor for most of my career up until this past year uh at Disney and I've also reported primarily to executives directly. So as a, when I first was hired into the company, I, I reported into a manager, but that manager was based in Florida. So I had a lot of direct contact with the 
department head who was based in California. And so that paired with the newness of my job, paired with the fact that I was competent and that I was right, like having that visibility and that accessibility and also not being afraid to have an opinion, I think really set the tone. And because I, like, I, I very, I think I'm very good at understanding the hierarchy and like respecting the hierarchy, but also knowing how to operate within it. So I've never had that institutional fear of executives that some people I think may have like, oh, like, I can't talk to this person because they're an SVP or EVP or the president of the company or whatever the case may be. Um, even if I, even if I get nervous presenting to those same people, like having a casual conversation or whatever, the whatever, isn't something that um, has been, been intimidating. And then my second job, I reported directly to a VP. And then in my current role, you know, I report to a VP. So my, my um the layers between me and senior leadership have always been fairly minimal so i feel like it's exposed me to a lot of how the political the political elements of working in a large company works and um what else i think you know taking on being really good at my job at baseline from the beginning and um doing above and beyond what that is from the beginning also helps and sh like showing where I can add value consistently and um you know making people look good like so if someone's motivation is they like to look good in front of other executives okay is it either intentional or just by the design of the role where I can just make that person look good and then they want me to be around because that that's like they associate me with making them look good sure why not and can I use that to my advantage? Sure, why not? Um, that kind of that kind of thing. And then as I, you know, moved into a role, my role, my roles at Disney Channel, it was more of like, okay, well, I was doing, I was doing my day job, and I was like, you know, I, I hesitate to say that I was bored, but you know, I had the I had the bandwidth to explore opportunities within the Walt Disney Company that would help enhance and enrich my experience as an employee. Um, which is how I came, which is how I came Love to participate that. in the employee resource group um, community. And in that, I, it was like a whole new level of engagement because I was with people, I was with people from all across the Walt Disney Company who were, I wouldn't say exactly like me because we're all very different people, but like in terms of high achieving drivers, strategic big picture thinking, you know, people who are rising within the ranks of their own business units. And so it's like you have a bunch of people who are like you in that regard, just mm -hmm. all on the same team. And you're just like moving this, this bus at lightning speed, because you all are kind of on that wavelength. And I think that level of visibility within the company and within the leaders who are kind of tapped into that community, of course, also helps. So that's like a very long and convoluted answer. And there's a lot of different there's a lot of different factors at play, but it's like, you kind of have to, it's not about exhausting all of your options. It's about kind of having, having several different, um, I'm trying to think of a good, I'm not a sports analogy. I was going to make a chess analogy, but I don't know anything about chess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was going to make a sports analogy and I was like, I don't really know anything about sports either. So <laughs> like the idea that you have many different things in play at once. So you never really know what lever or what thing you need to pull from but if you have all of these in play 
you know, opportunistically or just as, as it becomes relevant, it doesn't, it's not completely out of the blue to engage in this particular um, opportunity to kind of help you get to where you need to go. Big point. That, it, there's a lot of things you shared there and long, but really valuable, I think, honestly. Thank you. Yeah. I had to ask, I saw that you worked at Disney, Disney I probably, you probably get this a lot, but what would you say is your favorite Disney movie? Well, that's an easy one. Um, definitely, well, it, a goofy movie is is my is one of my favorites. But from childhood, I we my family always watched like some of the older Disney movies, like The Rescuers, just mm. like ran oh, wow. like random things like that. So that's one that I I hold very uh, very dear in terms of like the nostalgia factor. Awesome, <laughs> so cool. fun. Now, these are questions that we ask all of our guests on a regular basis. So we try not to take ourselves too seriously. What would you say is the most fun that you've had in your career so far? What's the most fun? I feel like it's hard to take your job too seriously when you work in kids television. <laughs> I mean, we did, this is like not actually work, but we, we do our, a lot of our team offsites are at Disneyland nice. because it's, you know, logical it's logical it's less expensive than going other places in the la area yeah if you can believe it um and it's fun it's a good way to get away and kind of experience what the company has to offer i also i also really like so this is this is like a probably like a better answer is i also volunteer um at our studio premieres and i started doing that with some friends who um introduced me to it when i first started at the company and it's a really interesting way to see how a completely different business unit operates. And, you know, you make friends along the way because you have kind of the same usual cast of characters who volunteer. And so I would say that's probably one of the most fun, random things. And people think that my job is much cooler than it actually is because it's like you're, li you're literally just, you know, taking a person from point A to point B on a red carpet and then you go home. Maybe you eat at like the local fast casual Mexican place if you're working in the after party, but that's only if you're if you're doing that. So um yeah, I would say those are those are two of the things that stick out. That's so cool. Awesome. Now most people end up taking some kind of risk in their career. What would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career so far and how did it turn out? I've been the kind of person who I see an opportunity that I feel is relevant, like, oh, this job would be perfect for me. Let me tap into my network and see how I can get, you know, my current leadership to kind of be there for me or any any connections I have. But in this role, it was it was different because it was a, a backfill position and I was not in the department that I'm currently in. And I I had relationships with several different executives. Um, and so I was very direct of like, I want this job and here's the reasons why you need to give me this job and how it doesn't make any business sense to not give me this job. And here's the list of reasons why. Um, obviously there has to be a certain level of a relationship with the people who are making the decisions to have that dialogue, which I did, but it was just like, you know, I haven't really... I would say that I'm a good champion of what I, of, of myself and my goals, but I don't think I've ever really been so direct in, in that way. 
And I think being very bold in that, like, I've never, like, I went from being an, like I said, being an individual contributor to managing a team of eight. Now I manage a team of seven and a half because I have a dotted line report. But um, yeah, like, it's a pretty bold, I thought that was a pretty risky, a risky endeavor. I would say from a more, like, tactical standpoint, um, one of the, one of the, like, I guess, initiatives that I've spearheaded with with my employee resource group was are all about getting the con- our content within in our business to be reviewed by different people of different backgrounds. So specifically in my group we're the black and African American employee resource group. And so we wanted that we wanted to provide our opinion on the co- our content and kind of give that feedback that would contextualize like what that what our consumer group would would feel and think and kind of strategically able to put forth a point of view. And so I designed this program in partnership with another with another person within my team and just being very like this is what I need and tapping into the leadership and then going into these rooms with the senior most leadership of the comp- of of our network and saying reading like having the results from our focus groups and being like um, having to tell them certain things that were on the paper and just saying it and owning it and, you know, being the only brown person in the room and and giving them this hard feedback and, um, just being like, well, this is what's happening and just kind of going with it. I think that would be like more from like a, like a specific, specific instance of like, this could be like a really good thing for your career or a completely uh, detrimental to one's brand uh, moment in, in, in the career. That's fair. And how's it turning out so far? It's really good. I mean, this has been going on for coming up on two years now. So it's actually, it was, it's actually really cool because it used to be something that was only within my group. We were really the sole um, executor of the work and it really became a very big project and it's now something that's actually managed within a department within our network because they kind of saw like hey we want to we want to formalize this we really want to put a process in place and create some parameters by which we're actually reviewing content and who we engage and so it's now a program that's part of someone's day job and it's engages multiple dimensions of of um, diversity when it comes to perspective is, and, um, and that kind of thing. So it's That's really fantastic. cool. Like I, all I have to do is show up to the focus group or read the script. And I have someone on, on our team who, from our, our employee resource group team who actually consolidates the information and then sends it off. So we went from kind of spearheading and building the kind of infrastructure to now, you know, helping build the best practices for how it operates within the, within the business. That's really cool. And I know we'd love to tap in, to your knowledge on diversity and inclusion in another episode eventually too. So I'll leave that to the side. So I have so many questions about that, but um, the last question that I have for you is what is the best piece of career advice that you have ever received? I've gotten a, I've gotten a lot of really good advice. And I think I've been really fortunate to have people who for one reason or another have just been so kind and generous with their own time so I would say asking for help. I've not I've not been in a situation where asking for help has been a a bad thing or saying I don't know how to do something. Can you please help me understand what you're looking for? So I I think 
just the being inquisitive and asking questions. And also, I think one of the pieces of feedback that my boss gives me, because like one of my areas of opportunity from a, from a growth perspective is that I, I'm a very, I like to take information in and then I say something I, or like I, you know, provide my input and being able people, she always tells me that I need to, um, I need to share my thoughts because whenever I say something, it is, it's, it's meaningful and it adds to the conversation. So, you know, whether it's, whether it's, um, finding your way to meaningfully add to the co a conversation or engage with someone, I think has been a really solid piece of advice because it may not be like, you have to kind of take into consideration what the norm of the group is and like how the broader group tends to engage. And even if, even if that isn't the way that you prefer to engage, kind of figuring out how you can still participate and add value in a way that it aligns with how you operate. So it's not like throwing away your own identity and the way you like the way that you're comfortable doing things, but it's about figuring out how to make how you work fit into the broader picture. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but and it's not yeah. really like a succinct piece of advice, but makes a lot of sense. It's very good food for thought. And certainly speaking to your asking for help point, that is like, that could not be a more relevant uh, point to make, I think, at this time in our world right now. So appreciate you for sharing all of that. You're you're clearly a fountain of knowledge in uh, <laughs> in your young career. I feel like I, I feel like I'm mostly word salad, but um, I appreciate you saying so. Our pleasure, Teresa. Where can people find you if they'd like to connect with you or learn more about what you do? So LinkedIn is by far the best place to reach me because the inbox is typically in the single digits. Cool. We will definitely uh, toss your LinkedIn URL into our show notes. So in case someone does want to ask you any follow-up questions, they will get in touch with you through that. We will put a wrap on this episode. It was wonderful to have you, Teresa. For the Career Builders Podcast, I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Fekosek. Thank you so much for joining us this week, and we will be with you again soon. Bye for now.